might be helpful if I turned it on. Let me try again. Good morning, church. And we're glad you're here. If you're a guest, we are so glad that you're here at Greenville Oaks with us this morning. Know that there are hundreds of choices you could have made in the Metroplex. We are glad that you have chosen to be with us at Greenville Oaks. Hope you had a great time of celebration over the Christmas holiday. And trust that you're going to have a safe and happy new year. Marcia and I want to thank you. Uh, this is our last Sunday with you. And uh, elders and staff and all of you have been so kind to invite us to be a part of your family for the last three months. It's amazing how fast it went by. I mean, it, it seems like a couple of weeks ago that we came and started in October and bang, it's gone. We'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, we appreciate your kindness to us. Thank you for the time that you have allowed us to be with you. And uh, start next week in Waco, Texas. And uh, it's going to be a little longer drive, a little harder drive. But uh, Lord willing, we'll, uh, we'll have some fun down there as well. Hope you have your Bibles. Will you open them, please, to James chapter 3? Nope, 4. James 4. James 4. We're going to start at verse 13, James 4, 13. James is over in the back of your New Testament. Do you want to start at the back at Revelation and work backwards? Uh, you're going to go through Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James, chapter 4. You get to James 4, say, got it. Ooh, boy, we haven't gotten many that got it yet. Ready? When you, when you got it, say got it. Wait, say wait. Oh, okay, got to wait or two. All right. James 4, it's on page. <laughs> James 4. I hold in my hand, according to the Associated Press, the top 10 stories of 2013. Top 10 stories of 2013. Number 10. The three missing women were found in Cleveland, having been held hostage for more than 10 years by Ariel Castro. Number 9. The civil war in Syria. So far, more than 120,000 dead. Number 8. Typhoon that hit the Philippines. More than 6,000 killed on November the 8th. Number seven of top ten stories of 2013, Nelson Mandela. Number six of top ten stories, according to the Associated Press, 2013, the Supreme Court decision for gay marriage. Number five, Edward Snowden and the whole NSA spying scandal. Number four, top ten stories, 2013, divided Congress. Number three, Vatican changeover, new pope in Rome. One who has gained amazing popularity in just the few months that he has been serving as pope. Number two, top ten stories, 2013, the Boston Marathon bombing. Number one story, according to Associated Press, for 2013, the bungled health care rollout that we affectionately call Obamacare. If we had predicted last year 
what the top 10 stories would have been in 2013, we might have gotten a few of them. But we certainly wouldn't have gotten near all of them. As some wise sage said years ago, the only thing you can say for sure about the future is that the future isn't very, very sure. I mean, life is full of surprises. Amen? I mean, some of you are not living where you were a year ago, and you wouldn't have dreamed you'd have been living here a year later. Some of you have changed jobs over the last year, and you wouldn't have dreamed this time last year there was a job change in your future. Some of you are without jobs this year. And if we'd have told you that last year at this time, you you wouldn't have believed it. Some of you are facing health issues right now that a year ago weren't even on your radar screen. It is amazing how quickly life can change for us. I mean, one second, Tony Romo is healthy and active in a collapsing pocket, and the next minute, he's got a herniated disc, and he's done. It is amazing how quickly it can happen. Life is full of surprises. And all of that brings me down to a little passage tucked away in the book of James. Now, let me tell you a little bit about James before we read it. James doesn't have a tactful bone in his body. James has never said anything tactfully. James kind of walks up to you with a double-barrel shotgun and puts it in your chest and goes, and blows you away with his directness and his abruptness and his lack of tact. You don't have to worry where James stands on any given subject. He'll tell you exactly where he stands. James doesn't address a subject. He attacks it. In James, he talks about jealousy and anger and the tongue. He talks about faith and works. And in this passage we're going to read, he talks about a sin that most of us are guilty of and don't even give conscious thought to. It's called the sin of presumption. And James is going to address or attack the sin of presumption that happens in the minds of most of us because we're two days away from a new year. And as we plot out, you know, what our plans are for the next year, this is going to have some very poignant and relevant things to say to us. Here's what he says. James 4, 13. He starts off. Now listen. It's James's way of saying, I want your attention. I'm about to say something important. I want you to get this. Some of the versions say, come now. One of them says, listen up. But it's James's way of saying, I've got something of utmost importance I want you to hear. Come now. Now listen. You who say, you who talk like this, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Now, it's important you understand James is not attacking wise planning. James is attacking the sin of presumption. Because if you read that sentence, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll trade, we'll make money. If you notice, there is something desperately missing in that plan. What is it? It's God. God is missing from the plan. 
James is saying, listen, you who talk like this, you, you who plan out your year, you who have your agenda all mapped out for the next year, you leave God out of the plan, that is ludicrous. Ludicrous. Verse 15. Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. <coughs> it's amazing what we know, isn't it? It is amazing the things we know. I saw a picture in the newspaper this week, printed in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. It was a picture of Saturn. We sent a probe into space in 1997. It's called the Cassini. It took seven years for it to get there. Seven years. When it got there in 2004, it started orbiting Saturn, taking pictures. And this week in the Star Telegram, they printed a picture of Saturn taken by the probe Cassini. We've put two probes on Mars, spirit and opportunity, sending back pictures and information. <coughs> sending back pictures and information. It's amazing what we know. I was... I was sitting on my couch next to Marcia. We've been married just over a year. And I watched Neil Armstrong jump out of that spacecraft down onto the floor of the moon. And he said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I watched that on our little 20-inch black and white television set. We went to Tyler this week to the funeral of a friend of ours. And while we were there, we learned about another friend going through some health issues He's got some internal bleeding, and they were trying to find out where the source of the bleeding was. You know how they tried to find it? <clears throat> he swallowed a capsule a little larger than a vitamin pill that had a camera in it. And it photographed every bit of his digestive system as it went through it so that they could find the place where he was bleeding. Are you kidding me? I mean... We, we know stuff today that wouldn't have been thought of 10 years ago. We can do surgeries today that wouldn't even have been tempted 10 years ago. Hand transplants, face transplants. We can do surgeries that, that, that nobody even thought of 10 years ago. The Internet has, has made our entire world a neighborhood. I mean, if it happens and somebody's got a camera on it, they can... They can film it or photograph it and put it on the internet and in a matter of minutes you can view it around the world. You can Skype with someone who's living on the opposite side of the planet and talk to them just like I'm talking with you. I mean, it is amazing what we know. Amen? But listen, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Macbeth, written by Shakespeare, has this line in it. If you can look, if you can look into the seeds of time and tell which ones will grow, speak then to me. Shakespeare's way of saying, if you can foretell the future, I want to listen to what you got to say. The, the bottom line is you can't because no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Not a one of us here is guaranteed we'll even see tomorrow. 
And so James says, those of you who think like this, those of you who talk like this, well, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this or that city, and we're going to spend a year there, we're going to trade and make money. James says, you left God out of the plan. And the problem is, that is ludicrous. He asked the question, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. This morning, it was in the 30s, I walked out in my garage this morning and blew out my hot breath. Guess what I saw? A vapor. It was there for just a second, and then it was gone. You go out tomorrow morning, you can walk out, it's going to be cold, and the wind's going to be blowing, but you walk out in the morning and you do that with your breath. You're going to see this vapor that appears for a moment. It's the word atmos in the original language from which we get our English word atmosphere. And it's going to be there for just a minute and then it's gone. James says, that's the way your life is. Man, when I was 15, it felt like time was standing still. I didn't think I was ever going to get to 16th birthday so I could drive. Anybody in the, yeah, anybody feel like, yeah. I didn't think I was ever, ever, I mean, it was like time was just stuck in place. But I'm not 15 anymore. And now it feels like time is a ceiling fan. I mean, it's going by so fast, I can hardly believe it. I I cannot believe that 2013 is already behind us. I mean, it seems like a couple of weeks ago we were coming into 2013, and now in two days we're going to face 2014. And James says, I want you to consider this. What is your life? You're like a vapor that is there, and then it's gone. How dare you make a plan for your life without God? Look at verse 15. Instead, You ought to say, instead of thinking like this, today or tomorrow we'll move to this or that city and spend a year there and trade and make money, and God is not a part of the plan. He says, instead of thinking like that, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. James is not trying to get you to add some cliche to your conversation. He's not trying to get you to add some cliche, if the Lord wills, to everything of your conversation. When, when this service is over in a few minutes and someone says, well, where are you going to go eat? He doesn't want you to say, well, if the Lord wills, we're going to run up to Chili's. Or if the Lord wills, we're going to be up at, you know, Olive Garden or wherever. That's not what he's trying to get you to understand. He's trying to get you to understand that, that, that God has got to be an intimate part of your plan for any future. This word translated Lord, if it is the Lord's will, is the word kurios. Kurios. You might have heard that word before. Say it, say it with me. Kurios. One more time. Kurios. Kurios. Now you speak Greek. Kurios. This little word, kurios, if you go to Kittle's New Testament word pictures, which is a, which is a glorified uh, dictionary for Greek words, 
In Kittle's New Testament word pictures, they devote, are you ready for this? 56 pages to this one little term, kurios. 56 pages. If I could boil down all 56 pages to a simple statement, here's what this word kurios means. It means that deep down in your heart of hearts somewhere, you know that there is one who has the right to call the shots in your life. Deep down in your heart of hearts, you recognize there is one who has the right to call the shots in your life. That's what Lord means. Lord. James says, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. But at the center of everything is curios. At the center of everything is my recognition that no matter what comes my way, I know that there's one who has the right to call the shots in my life. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He is Lord. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, I want to ask you to write down some statements that you might look at this time next year. In the back of most Bibles, there's a, there's a blank page or two that you can, you can write notes on. I want to encourage you to write this down. If you're taking notes on your smartphone, here's what I want to ask you to do. Across the top of the page, the umbrella that goes over all of it is this statement. I am willing. I am willing. Because lordship means I am willing. I am, I am submissive to this one who has the right to call the shots in my life. So I'm willing to do what he tells me to do. We're going to make four statements coming out of I am willing, all right? Here's the first one. They get increasingly harder. Here's the first one. I am willing to receive what you give. I am willing to receive what you give. Maybe this year is the year God sends that mate to you that you've been praying about and waiting for. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year that God gives you the baby that you've prayed for and waited for. Maybe this year that baby's going to be yours. Maybe this year you're going to go to work for the company you've dreamed of working, working for for many years. Maybe this year you get that job. Or maybe this year the promotion you've been waiting on and praying for and longing for comes through. And this year it happens. Maybe this year... You come out of those health struggles you've been facing for years and years, and maybe this year you're going to have the healthiest year that you've enjoyed in a long time. Maybe this is the year. My recognition that He is Lord says, I'm willing to receive what you give. Lord, you want to give every good and perfect gift, and some of that comes to me. I'm willing to receive it. Now, that's the easy one. Number two. If I understand my willingness to submit to him as Lord means this, I am willing to lack what you withhold. Maybe God doesn't give me that baby I've been longing for. Maybe God doesn't give me that job I've been praying for. Maybe God doesn't give me that, that relationship that I've longed for and my mate doesn't come this year. Maybe he waits another year and at the time, this time next year, I still don't have what I'm longing for and praying for. But if that's his will, my submission to him says I'm willing to lack what you withhold. 
Here's the third one. I am willing to answer your call. Church, the Bible teaches us that God has gifted us through His Holy Spirit. God has gifted all of us differently. I've got different gifts than you have. You've got different gifts than I have. God left some stuff out of me so that I'd need you. And God left some stuff out of you so you'd need me. And it's God's plan that everybody work together for the edification of the body, exercising the gifts God has given you. The problem is, we got a lot of gifted people who are sitting on the sideline watching. And I need to tell you something. Christianity is not a spectator sport. God wants you down on the arena floor. And if he calls you to do something this year, you're going to say, yes, yes, God, I will do it this year. Maybe God has gifted you to teach, teach children, teach teenagers, teach adults. And you've been waiting and you've been holding out. Maybe this year you say yes to God. Maybe your gift is compassion and you've been shy and holding back that gift of mercy or compassion. And this year you say yes to him. Maybe you've had a dream in your heart to start a street clinic somewhere in the Metroplex, and, and this year is the year you're going to launch that ministry. Maybe this year you answer God's call and do what God is calling you to do that you unmistakably know it's Him. This year, you say yes to His call. If I understand He is Lord and I submit to Him, when He calls me, I say yes. Fourth and finally, I am willing, I am willing to be what he requires. Church, the Pharisees missed this one. They did all the right stuff. They dotted all the T's. I mean, they dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. They went through all the right motions. They did all the right stuff. Well, when Jesus talked to the Pharisees, he said, you know, when I look at you, you look like a bunch of whited sepulchers. You're all clean and proper on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of what? Dead man's bones. We need to understand that Christianity is not just about doing. Christianity is also about being. And this year in 2014, I want to be what he requires of me. I want him to do transformation in my heart so that I look more like him this time next year than I do this year. I want to submit to him in such a way that every day of my life I say, God, do your work in me today. I want to be what you require. I've got some things God wants me to do, but God also wants me to be one of his children. And I want to be what he requires of me. If you can look into the seeds of time and say which ones will grow, speak then to me. Otherwise, let's recognize that there is one who has the right to call the shots in my life. And because he is Lord and I am willing to submit to him, then I'm willing to receive what he gives lack what he withholds. I'm willing to be what he requires. And I forgot the third one. 
I'm willing to answer his call. If God calls me to do something, I'm willing to say, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. Church, there is one who has the right to call the shots in our lives. And his name is Jesus. And our submission to him tells people of our seriousness about following him. And at your set, let's pray together.